0: Hi, I'm Marilyn Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I'm going to talk a bit about uh, some of the games I played over the weekend, because I haven't done that in a while, and I played a lot of games this weekend, this, this past weekend, and I think it might be fun to talk a little bit about them, so stay tuned for that. So first, I'm going to talk about the two games that I played over the weekend, or actually three games I played, if you count the one Friday night, which I'm probably going to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about the games that I ran over the weekend. So Friday night, we played another session of our AD&D second edition campaign, playing through a a modified version of the Night Below campaign. Um, And it was a lot of fun. It was Almost all combat until the very end, but it was um, very intense combat against some uh, like demon dogs that basically were really hard to hit, and very um, our our weapons were not super effective against them. Unfortunately, so yeah, it was uh, it was uh, not great in terms of. Actually fighting them we basically we would do one damage to them every time we hit them um, Luckily, they didn't seem to have a whole lot of health um, But even still with I think there were their ac0 uh, That seemed to be where we hit them um, Without any other mods, so not easy to hit with not easy to hit not um, a great fight in terms of showing off our hero's prowess, but it was it was pretty intense. It's was also a great, um, we play with a number of house rules largely inspired by Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, which is a great game, um, and it was a great demonstration of the value of those house rules because they give um, a lot of options in combat that feel like to me, they're helpful for uh, fleshing out hand-to-hand and um, generally non, non-magical tactical decision-making in combat. Um, many of them are kind of straightforward things like raise your shield and don't attack and get an AC bonus, or um, you can withdraw to not move very far, but you don't take an attack of opportunity, all of that sort of stuff. Um but it's good. It um, I think one of the pitfalls of the early games, in particular, is that um, rules as written they don't have a lot of that. That there's not a lot of decision making for, um, not nearly as much kind of tactical decision making for, um people like fighters and stuff like that uh, because of the way some of the uh, assumptions about the game are made in particular. um, It always seems to me that AC, because AC uh, assumes that you're spending the same amount of energy, mental and, and physical energy on defending yourself and therefore are just X hard to hit you remove kind of an interesting tactical decision of, well, do I want to kind of focus on defending myself versus focus on attacking versus be in the kind of standard mode, all of that sort of stuff, which, um, so I'm glad that we play with those house rules because they're they're pretty fun. And they, I think, do a good job of, um, a good job of making that kind of, like hand-to-hand combat a lot, um, meatier without, uh, slowing things down too much that, um, it's not like, I mean, this combat took a really long time, but that's because the, the demon dogs had, uh, you know, they took very little damage and all of that sort of stuff and had very low ACs and all of that. Um, so this combat took a long time. It was like 36 rounds of combat, I think. But, um, The uh, normal, normally combats don't take nearly as long in terms of uh, total rounds. And um, in in particular, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, that, that it doesn't really slow things down a whole lot to have some of these combat options, which I really like. I really, I really like having these kind of tactical options that are, um, also, I think that they do a good job of not being too, um, silly. That's one of the things that I always feel like is sort of a, um, a pitfall sometimes of tactical options that uh, some in certain games some of the tactical options don't feel like they are um, well or rather rarely do I think it's the tactical options that are in game I think it's more like when there aren't any tactical options and players try to do things they come up with kind of crazy things to do that are a lot less um, like, standard military maneuvers, basically, that they they come up with things that feel to me to be a little bit like, you know, oh, you want to like, you know, somersault around in order to gain an AC bonus. That's like, yeah, that's a little silly to me personally, but but that's just me and, and some people feel like they, they really like that. So, you know, it's uh, different strokes for different folks. So, second game I played Saturday morning. We played more astonishing sorcerer and, and sorcerers of Hyperborea. It was an awesome session, except for the fact that I so rules as written. If you roll a one to three on your attack roll when you're shooting into a missile combat, is it, shooting a missile into a melee combat on a one to three, you have to roll again to see if you hit your ally. My character, who is about as as adept an archer as you could get at his level, because he has 18 dexterity, and he is a master of the bow, and he's obviously got the, the fighting ability bonus for being level 5, um, hit allies three times in the course of the session. One of them was basically... Would have been an insta kill, but for the use of astonishing fortune, which is the the narrative meta currency that we play with, um, to save that character's life. Um, so that was uh, to me, there was no question that he would at the after that happened, draw his sword. And I narrated him in the process of drawing his sword as kind of a single stroke, cutting the, the bow string. And he hasn't destroyed the bow yet, but that's kind of the next step is that he's going to have to, you know, put his bow in the bonfire or something like that. Or maybe even, maybe he'll keep it with him and expect that, you know, once he atones enough and uh, prays to his God or whatever he does to, get back in good graces. He might use a bow again, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll have to, uh, figure that out, but it was a ton of fun. We, um, basically had a run in with some weird, I think they're called travelers from Ling, and they had some kind of weird science thing going, and we went through a portal and fought a bunch of beast men and it was kind of, you know, horrific carnage and intense violence and all of that sort of stuff. And it was super fun. Um, that that campaign is just a ton of fun and the group of guys is really great. It's um, We seem to always have a, a lot of players and they're all really good guys and fun to play with and all of that sort of stuff. And so we had... Um, yeah intense intense combat and ash is just in general ash is just a, a great game it's you know really well built really clearly um i think the story goes that jeff telanian who's the guy who who wrote it and he publishes it uh his, or his company publishes it that it was all just his house rules for ad and D first edition that he played with for years and i think it really shows that he um that he played with them for years because it's, it's a really polished product. Um, it feels, you know, heavily play tested every, all the different little pieces feel like they interact well with each other and um, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think it, I think it's a really, really quality game, um, which I, I thoroughly recommend Despite the the price tag, the the big book, the big Ash book, is pretty expensive. I think it's like eighty bucks US um, from Northwind, so not a not a cheap investment. But you can get the PDF for a lot cheaper, certainly. And there is a um, character, a player's handbook that you can get now that has all the stuff that a, a player needs. So that's good too. Um. But yeah, the Ash game was a lot of fun. And um, that's kind of, I think, all that needs to be said about that. And then finally, on Sunday afternoon, we played another session of Legacy of the Crystal Shard, which is um, a campaign that was originally written for D&D Next that apparently has stats for... D&D Next, which was what 5th edition was called when it was in development, as well as 4th edition and 3rd edition, apparently. Um, And we've been playing, so specifically, our kind of uh, forever DM, Kevin Madison of the the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel, uh, basically decided over the course of the quarantine that he wanted something we had been playing kind of uh, smaller group games on Sundays in particular, um, more story games and stuff like that, and he decided to to give everybody a chance to play while cooped up that it might be fun to run a, a short campaign with AD&D 2nd Edition that would allow for the really big group experience that we have on Wednesday and Friday nights with Night Below. Um, so we have been playing Legacy of the Crystal Shard to that end, um, and it was fun. It was a good, good session. It was a little bit. There was a little bit of kind of. We had nine players, which I think is always a little, um, a little bit iffy in the sense that uh, you know you don't you don't want to step on people's toes, but you do want to say your piece and all that sort of stuff, and obviously different. Players will have a different tolerance for listening to other players versus saying their own thing versus, you know, some people don't so much listen as stay quiet until they get a chance to talk and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but it was still it was fun. I I felt a little bad afterwards just because I felt like my character having fairly strong um, opinions about some of the stuff that was going on ended up monopolizing the time a little bit more than I would have liked in the sense that uh, there were a couple of guys, I, a couple of the guys that seemed like got very little chance to, to talk and to do their thing in the game, which, you know, I always kind of feel like that's uh that's unfortunate. and I'd like everybody to get a chance to to talk and to um be a part of the experience and all that, especially in a talkie- talkie session, everybody seems like should get a chance to talk. and so it it, you know, having a character who spent uh, a fair bit of the session talking, it feels sort of like you know, um some of the other guys didn't get a chance to do as much of that, and that just, you know. You know, it is it, it is what it is. And I think if they had an issue with it, it, it would be totally within their right to say something about that. And, you know, ultimately it's uh, up to them to sort of assert themselves in the conversation if that's what they want to do. But um, I guess I just felt like my character got a lot of chances to talk and some of the other characters didn't get as many chances and that I did don't want to be a player who hogs the spotlight. So that's just sort of something I'm thinking about, trying to trying to figure out what the way to approach a nine player game is because also, you know, I don't want to I don't want nobody to talk, right? Especially if it's supposed to be it's supposed to be. and Kevin, the way he runs games, generally they are player driven right you have to it's he's not going to say okay this is what the party is going to go deal with cuz this is the adventure it's more like a a large scale sandbox where there's a, adventure hooks all around and you have to decide what it is that you're going to to deal with out of the various things that are available to to deal with or to interact with and all that sort of stuff so I guess it is preferable to take up more than my share of the conversation if that's pushing the um, adventure forward than to sit back and have nobody be taking up the the role of sort of deciding what we're going to do and interacting with the world and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's just, it's just something that I'm thinking a little bit about, especially with uh, – you know some of the other players uh and and thinking about kind of how to to balance that and how to um get the right the right flow going and all of that sort of stuff so that's just me that's just kind of what i'm thinking about with that campaign um but it's a lot of fun we're playing in Icewind Dale in the Forgotten Realms, my character is a um, an elf who has been sort of raised by his elven parents and has been uh, an academic basically up until now. I, is sort of like a. A college student or even like a graduate student almost um, is what I've been picturing him as. And then he's kind of decided that it's time to go adventuring. And so he's ended up in Icewind Dale. He gets a he's <laughs> he's technically a fighter, but for being an academic, he gets a penalty to attacks. So that's fun. But it's it's super flavorful. And I think that's one of the things that I like a lot about the way we've been playing AD&D second edition is that it's not as much of a, um, you know, it's not a min-max experience. It's not a, well, you have to auto-balance, you have to balance out your party so that uh, you can actually take on encounters. It's not built so that, um, it's not really built in that way. It's more about like what makes sense in the fiction and what would be flavorful and everybody kind of having a good time playing with that. And and this game, this Icewind Dale game is definitely, uh, fitting alongside that, that we have a kind of motley crew that is, uh, not, not necessarily super heavily balanced or super, um, it's not min-maxed or anything like that. So it's uh kind of just a, a crew of adventure types and everybody has their own thing and that's super cool. So yeah, that is the the three different games I played in over the weekend. If you count Friday night as part of the weekend, um, all of them were a lot of fun. All of them played with uh play run by Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings, Um, so props to him for running so many games for us to play. And now I'm going to talk about the games that I ran. All right, and I'm back to talk about the games I ran. So I ran two different games. Two different Session zeros essentially, over the weekend. On Saturday afternoon, I ran Song of Swords. And on Sunday afternoon, I ran The Hero's Journey 2nd Edition. So, Song of Swords was with some guys that I had uh, put together the group over Discord and convinced them to play Song of Swords. One of them had already played um, The Riddle of Steel, which song of swords is based on, and um, the two other guys hadn't played it at all, and it was it was pretty good. It was a little bit rough doing character creation. Next time, I might figure out like a, a modified table for character creation or something like that. I, I was thinking about like what's the best way to approach. Um, character creation to make it a little less daunting because of course it's got, um, well, a, it's got a little bit of the thing where it uses character creation to teach you the the game, but you don't know the game when you're making a character. So you have to kind of go in and start doing some things. And then you find out that that's not really the best way to do things. And so you tinker with things and all of that sort of stuff. And you end up eventually with the right, um, balance of things but it takes a little while um and it also there was some stuff that we kind of found as like a little bit uh off a little bit not quite what we expected not quite what we wanted from the game um specifically the uh the soldier proficiency humans get to fill up the proficiency slots for any school automatically for free. And the soldier school has 10 max proficiencies, unlike basically everything else, which only has three or four. So, It basically felt like, especially for early game, the soldier school was just better than everybody else. So we've made a house rule to change that. We also, one of the things I was working on was kind of a momentum system, which I think I mentioned in the the big overview of Song of Swords. A momentum system to uh, basically do basically work like um, the way it works in Conan 2d20 or in some of the other 2d20 games where the idea is that your successes, extra successes on a task are turned into extra dice for a later task. Um, Because it seems to me that that's kind of a, a clever thing to do for something like this dice pool system um, as a way of uh, reinforcing successes and all of that sort of stuff. So I worked a little bit on that. But basically, after we did character creation, we did some sample fights, um, and I, I changed the uh, the pre-generated soldiers a little bit for the sample fights to make them a little bit easier. But it was really it was a great demonstration of the combat system for the guys who hadn't ever played it before because they were able to be like, oh, this is... This is how this system works and got a real sense of like, this is a, you know, intense, brutal system that really it, uh, you know, it um, realistically represents what happens when a sword intersects with a person's body and things like that. And it, you know it works for that Um, works quite well. There's no, you know, there's none of the kind of like standard hit point bloat type stuff that you get in a lot of RPGs and things like that. And so it was cool to do some practice fights. Um, We're not playing this coming Saturday um, just because, well, partly because I signed up for uh, to play in a game this coming Saturday during the time slot. And then also because I want to do some kind of world building stuff in preparation for a campaign, but I have high hopes for a, a song of swords campaign. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think we'll get to, uh, you know, play around with the system and figure out how it works and tinker with it and, Generally have some fun playing with that kind of intense simulations combat system and all of that. So Yeah, it was good. It was um, Like I said, it was, it was a little rough to do character creation, but overall I think the experience was pretty good and we uh, had some fun The other game I ran on Sunday was the Hero's Journey 2nd Edition, and I ran that for uh, my family. I ran it for my little sister and both my parents and my grandfather, Um, and that was pretty cool. Um, The Hero's Journey, I did not remember all of the kind of alternate special abilities that uh, characters and get for their lineage and their archetype and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll see how all that works out. It's a little much, I think, to keep track of for some of the the players who are not so um, adept at RPGs yet. So we shall see what um, that ends up how that ends up working and all that sort of stuff. I'm sorry. I'm yawning. I don't know why I'm so tired, but um, I guess we'll see how, how all that works out. Um, it's not hugely complicated realistically, but it is uh, a little more. It's just more to keep track of for players who are not particularly um, advanced, not, not particularly familiar with RPGs in general and all that sort of stuff, so we'll see how all that works out. We might end up shifting over to something like um, Beyond the Wall, which is a little bit simpler. But there's a lot that I like a, about the Hero's Journey. Um, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. I really like the flavor. I really like the um, a lot of the mechanical stuff. I like... Hit points are low all the way through, which is cool. keeps the characters kind of always in danger. Um, I really like the the myth points system for upgrading your weapons and armor, uh, turning them into uh, magical weapons and armor, essentially, based on their role within the mythology that your character is creating. Um, and in general I think it's a it's a really solid game system it just might not be the perfect system for this uh, group of players but they um, each of them created a hero rolled up their stats randomly um, had to have a lineage and an archetype and a profession so they've got all the sort of core stuff and then they've got some of the standard stuff for you know the the standard array of of various stats that you need to know for gameplay. So yeah, we haven't done any sort of equipment buying yet. So I think what I'm going to do is basically what I did was I did kind of session zero stuff for about two thirds of the session and then did uh, a little bit of kind of the call to adventure for the last bit of the session um, which turned out to be a good balance, I think. And so I think I'm going to do something a little like that with next session to go over what all the special abilities are and all of that, and then do equipment, and then we'll get into further into the adventure. Um, I also hadn't prepped that one nearly as much as I feel like I should have, so I ended up uh, basically in the 30 minutes before um, starting that game, I just went through my, um, image library on roll 20 and started grabbing stuff from the, uh, the one ring and adventures in middle earth. Cause a lot of that art is really good. And a lot of it I think is really kind of fitting for the sort of world that, uh, the, the, the hero's journey mechanically is describing, um, so I just grabbed like the, the Woodman town art and some of the Merkwood art and all that sort of stuff. And came up with an idea of like, you guys live in a small town at the edge of a dark forest and, um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, pretty fun, pretty cool stuff. Um, overall, I think the games went pretty well that I ran it. Um, you know, it's it's always for me at least. It's always a little bit of a, a toss up. I think in terms of you know you don't know exactly how it's going to go until you actually get into it. Um, and I don't run games or. I I used to not run games often enough to be really kind of confident ahead of time as much I'm as I'm running more games. I think I'm getting better at being sort of confident about like, oh, I think I think I know how this session is going to go based on my prep and based on the players and their characters and all that sort of stuff. So, you know. Um, but it was fun and I was really glad, I was really glad to try out both of the systems, both, uh, Song of Swords and the Hero's Journey. Um, they're both, you know, very, very cool, very fun games. So I am excited to play more of them. Um, yeah, it's, uh. It's uh, gonna be fun to to play some more of both of those games. So, yeah, all right. I think we are ready for the outro. All right, that's it. That's the episode. That's the whole thing. That's all I got. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, I am at cows from on Twitter. I am also here on Anchor, Anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. And um, you can leave a message on Anchor, and I'll play it during an episode. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, hope you enjoyed. Hope you had fun listening. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.